0: Do you ever wonder what's wrong with your teenager? They can be so moody, so unpredictable and withdrawn. All signs for almost any other age group of an emotional problem. But unfortunately, just being a teenager is something of an emotional problem in and of itself. The transformation from child to adult is a bit like a reptile shedding its skin. At least that's what Dr. Greg Jantz says. He's the author of When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House. And he's joining us today on Amy's Table. Welcome, Dr. Jantz. How are you?
1: Hey, good to be with you today. Yes, some snakes skin shedding.
0: (laughs) It is hard, isn't it? It's hard to be a teenager.
1: Well, I think it is today in our culture. There's more intensity. There's technology. Uh, There are things happening now that, you know, really, uh, we didn't have before. That's added a level of intensity that also adds a a level of uh, potential misdirection.
0: Mm -hmm. But here's the problem. The average parent has a teenager who's exhibiting all of those things we talked about in your introduction. And if they're just sort of blasé about it, that could be the one time they shouldn't be. Or if they are hypercritical about it, it's just normal behavior. How do you know where that well, fine that's,
1: line is? It's yeah, such a great question because... There is the normal mood swings. There's the normal things going on. If you've got a 10-year-old, 11-year-old, 13-year-old boy, it's the second highest time of that male hormone testosterone rushing through the brain. And there's, you know, there's all this going on. Yeah. And it's confusing and it's awkward. At times it's moody. And at times uh, we need to remember for the the teenager, they're going through the transformation It's maybe odd to them. Mm -hmm. And there's there's a fight for independence and there's a testing of boundaries. So you have all this wrapped together. And that's all normal. But if you have a teenager today and they're isolated and they are cut off from you and they are cut off from their peer group and they just want to spend all their time in their bedroom and uh, maybe they're trying to sleep all the time or not sleeping at all, maybe there's been some recent academic failure, or even worse yet, a teenager that feels a sense that they've been bullied and they feel a sense that they're being persecuted by their peers is a real sign a persecuted teen, male or female, is a very unpredictable teen.
0: Mm. So, so can bullying be one of those factors that really changes everything? And do most teens who are being bullied feel comfortable sharing that with their family? Well,
1: I think at times it is very hard to share. There's always the risk. Because see, behind bully behavior, it's really emotional abuse, which is controlled by fear, and so they're afraid, and they're afraid of ramifications, repercussions. And yet, not to say anything, increases the uh, potential for greater depression. You see, right now, the Institute of Mental Health released some uh, research that says 10% of our teens are are what they call clinically depressed. Mm. And that's a a lot of depressed teenagers. So that's why, you know, I'm passionate about this book. I'm passionate about what we're doing. And, you know, we work with families and teens from all over the country. And and I've got to tell you that uh, we can turn this tide, but there's some challenges.
0: So do you think that one of the things that people may be overdoing is there's a pill for that? My kid's depressed. Uh, here, there's a pill for that. Or my kid doesn't seem to be doing well. There's a pill for that?
1: I think if we're using pills at the first line of defense, if the, you know, we go and we get a pill and we go, okay, everything's going to be fine now. I think there's going to be a lot of disappointment. Yeah. And it also it also teaches us now there's times that medication is appropriate. so. I want to give that qualifier. But sometimes it teaches us, oh, we take this pill, and and then we can ignore really the other core issues that really need to be addressed. So I'm really the whole person guy. I want to look at the whole person, meaning I want to know even their nutrition. My goodness, the average teenager's diet uh, alone. uh, It's shocking. Yeah, how many hundred pounds of sugar are they getting? And all the energy drinks that kids are on to. Yeah. This is not helping them emotionally.
0: Yeah, and especially... We want, to look,
1: we want to look at the whole person.
0: Exactly, exactly. Well, I know that one of the things that teens are known for is sort of being a bit sassy, maybe a little lip, maybe a little argumentative. And so arguing, you say, is normal. But when it becomes constant anger, that's when there's something up?
1: Yes. Um, arguing, and which that really means testing the boundaries. That's part of the job. If you write right. the job description of a teenager... Teenagers' job description is one sentence, to test boundaries. Right. <laughs> yeah. uh, and that's what they do. Uh, and that's what they're supposed to do. They're growing in independence. But the um, you know, situation where we have a teenager constantly angry, uh, where it could be volcanic anger, where there is a threat, uh, where there's a threat of violence, that is not normal. That's something we need to listen to.
0: And then the same thing is true, that pulling away, of course, is important for them to become their own person and step into their own lives. That makes perfect sense. In fact, I remember uh, I took a parenting class when my son was really little about raising boys. And they said, can you imagine seeing, you know, a 25-year-old walking down the street holding hands with his mother? Wouldn't that be bizarre? (laughs) (laughs) So it's like, you know that they want to have a little breaking away from their parents. So some withdrawal is normal. But you say when it becomes really pulling away and from family and friends, that's when we need to be concerned.
1: It is. It's an isolation. It's a sense that you have a teenager saying, oh, I'd be better off if I just wasn't around, or those kinds of comments that we need to really put our ear to and, and listen to. Uh, those are all the teens who give us warning signs. We just And one of the things I've done really truly as a community service is I've created a depression survey that lists all these different symptoms you may be seeing in your teen and not always be aware of it. And it's a free online survey that I'll give a website to you, but you can go and take this, and it is totally confidential. If you're concerned about your teenager, it'll give a score. It's only a place to start, but it'll help you identify some patterns. And I really want to encourage—I mean, my book is wonderful, of course—but take the first step and do the free survey.
0: Yeah, that's great. And what is the website for that? Um,
1: Aplaceofhope.com. Aplaceofhope.com. Just go to the survey, uh, depression survey. And uh, start there. It's a great place.
0: Yeah, that's important. That is definitely important. As you say, if 10% of the teenage population is depressed, you want to make sure that your child gets the help that they need. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Dr. Gregory L. Jantz. He is the author of When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House. And we're trying to flesh out a little bit from what's normal and what's not. And of course, anxiety, you say, is normal, but feeling constantly overwhelmed is not. That's
1: right. That's right. Uh, That sense of being overwhelmed uh, an inability to make any decision, a a sense of uh, I don't have any value, a sense of feeling rejected by others. So we enter into a zone of a sense of just feeling worthless about ourselves. Now, remember, a teenager is always uncertain about who they are. Right. Hypersensitive to judgment. They're they're navigating losing that new skin and getting on the new. So they're going to be tender about who they are to start with.
0: So what can we as parents do to, number one, help alleviate some of the natural anxiety, and number two, kind of give them some confidence in who they're becoming?
1: Well, one of the things that's so very important, maybe we forget to do, is they need positive words uh, about them. They need to know we believe in them. They need to know, even if they're struggling, that you're speaking good words over them and their future. Um, That's so important. Mm -hmm. And they, they need something called grace. They're, they're they're navigating, they need, to, they need some grace from their parents. But that grace is not an excuse to, to make mistakes. Right. <laughs> I mean, it's not an excuse to be rebellious. But um, they need a sense, and what that projects to them is a sense of acceptance. My parent, my guardian, um, has belief in me, and they accept me. That's a strong anchor point, because they're going to go through some waters, and they need that anchor point.
0: In fact, isn't that what they say, that every child, as much as, you know, we want everything to be perfect for them, all they really need in this world is one person who shows them they love them.
1: It's one person that says, I believe in you. Yeah. I will walk with you. I'll, I'll be there. And uh, that's powerful. That's why teenagers a lot of times need a mentor, a non-family member, somebody mm-hmm. that can really be involved in their life.
0: Wow, good. That's really good advice. Well, you know, we, we only have time for one more topic but or one more thought. But you mentioned that, of course, kids can be really upset after an experience, you know, that maybe it's flunking a test, maybe it's an argument with a friend. Being upset for a day or two, that's normal. But if it goes on for more than two weeks, that's when we need to take a look.
1: That's when we need to take a look. And I'll tell you, um, listen to yourself. Trust yourself on that. Uh, too often, and again, working with situations from all over the country, too often we see parents that say, you know, I wish I would have, and they're in a place of regret. So so trust it. Always yeah. there on the side of safety.
0: Yeah, definitely. Well, you know, one last question, Dr. Jantz. So the parents, they, they take the depression survey, they read your book, they do a little research, and they decide, you know what, my child needs help. Where yeah. does a parent start? Where do they go?
1: Well, you may, one of the things that that we offer is uh, resources and we're connected to resources throughout the country, but start, and I always suggest, get at least two uh, resources. The parent needs to make the phone call and and interview. I want somebody that really understands the teenage world and knows how to connect to that quickly. And, you know, not all the counselors out there obviously would be able to specialize with teenagers, so I'm going to look for that. So I want do you, somebody that's going to go in there and they're going to they're going to capture that team,
0: right? So do you go to like um, you just type in counselors in your area or in, in a Google search or is there a particular website that's a good place to start? Or
1: oh, well, you can even uh, call and use our toll free number and get some of the resources that we have. Okay, that's well. great.
0: Good. Well, I'm going to put a link to all of your information, including that survey about depression for your child at aplaceofhope.com. I'm going to put all of that on amystable.com. But Dr. Jance, thank you so much. The book, When Your Teenager Becomes the Stranger in Your House, lots of good information for all those teens we care about. Thank you.
1: Good to be with you
0: today. You're listening to Amy's Table.
1: It's Amy's Table. A
0: Girl's Guide to Living.
1: With Amy Tobin on Q102.
0: Try these simple tips to add a fresh breath of spring to your Easter table. Add a touch of nature. Fill small pots with wheatgrass plants, available in the produce section of most grocery stores. Insert several pussy willow branches or small twigs into each pot. You can add an animal or two. Whether made of chocolate, marshmallow, cookie, or clay, a parade of bunnies or chicks will add a welcoming touch of whimsy bring on the baskets. A colorful Easter basket lined with a pretty napkin is an adorable way to serve bread, rolls, or muffins. And egg them on. Use paint pens to write each family member's name on brightly colored Easter eggs. You can find all kinds of fun Easter recipe ideas at jiff.com.